0: Hi, I'm Chris McBride, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation
1: is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 46, Revenge of the Nerds Movie Review. <laughs>
0: Vic Brian here along with Yancey Eaton. And just a reminder this is Pop Kosher World, obviously. If you enjoy this podcast, I did want to just mention something. Uh, Yancey and I have a favor to ask. Uh, just please take. 30 seconds out of your day, you go over to podcastawards.com and you just register there and you can nominate our show uh, in the Rob has a podcast entertainment category. You just simply pick Pop Goes Your World from the drop down menu in that category. Literally takes 30 seconds to do. That's at podcastawards.com. Uh you're gonna be you'll be helping out the show around here, actually, because uh, we need all the help we can get. We're trying to reach a wider audience and keep the show coming at you every week. Um, and if you want to converse with us at all uh, about anything, you can reach us on Twitter at C McBrien or at Yancey Eaton, and you can also email us. All of our contact information is available at the website at popgoesyourworld.com. All that aside, Yancey, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm pretty good. Um, I don't know if you saw the news that Linkin Park's singer, uh, Chester Bennington, died. He committed did. suicide. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about suicide here in the past. This is an artist who I grew up with. Uh, there was a period of maybe four or five years uh, back in the, I think, what would you say like late 90s early 2000s where they were one of the bigger bands in the world um just really unfortunate this was a guy who was like 40 years old had six kids and uh you know he decided to end his own life and um i know it's a little bit of uh, me repeating myself but i will say it again if you guys feel like you are uh not mentally sound or you need help or uh, just you don't have any other options like please reach out to somebody anybody there's always going to be people who are willing to help and you're not burning people if you feel like you are um really take something like that seriously and look for help if you need it. it's just really unfortunate to have to to lose somebody like that like i said a, a father of like six kids and uh and it was just really sad. I was kind of thinking about that. It happened a couple of days ago. Um, I wanted to be a little bit more positive and upbeat, but I just felt like I, I needed to mention that at the top no, of the I show.
0: Think, I think that's a, that's a great point. And we've talked about this before on the show as well. And as I mentioned previously, actually just this morning, I was in lecture hall giving a lecture. And I said to the students, because a lot of them are graduating, you know, in like about a month. And they're getting down to it. I was, and I always, re, you know, try to remind them that at this time of year, things are tough. There's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure on students as it gets down to final exams and everything else. And I mm-hmm. just always tell them, because, I mean, they know their cohort better than anyone else. Look around. If there's somebody that you haven't seen in a little while, or if you think that somebody's kind of down the dumps or something like that, reach out to them. Reach out. Yep. Say hi. You know Be a friend to somebody. Sometimes that's all it takes to, to make a difference in somebody's life. So, anyway, um, I did want to mention one thing quick before we get into it uh, this week. Sure. So, my wife and I decided we wanted to start watching a new show. Now, I voted for, I wanted to watch The Love Boat. And my wife said no. And I was like, I want to watch like all the episodes of The Love she's like, no, no, we're not doing that. Forget it. I'm not doing that for you. So we decided instead to start watching Breaking Bad. I've never seen it, Yancey.
1: Have you, you seen the oh, show? Chris, this is a hard endorse. I am so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I decided to go with a, a millennial thing yes. because I said to my wife,
0: "Ah, you know, I do, I do this podcast. Maybe you don't know, but on Friday nights, I go down into the studio and I do this podcast. She's like, yeah, I kind of heard. And so I'm like, you know, obviously Yancey, the millennial. I think maybe I should try and watch a millennial show. So we kind of look, looked at a couple and we said, well, you know what? Breaking Bad. Heard lots of good things about that. So we started watching it. So we just finished season one. Pretty pretty
1: good show. Pretty good show, man. I so it. you already got through the entire first season? First
0: season, we're done. It's only like seven episodes in season one. So we got through that okay. pretty quickly. Um, so, so no spoilers for me and nobody on Twitter. Please uh, spoil it for me. But so far, so good. It's a pretty good show. I like it Still, kind of wish I watched the Love Boat, but no, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Just totally kidding. No, no, it's really, really good. I really like it a lot. Anyway, um, you ready to get started? We got lots to get to tonight. Yep, let's do it. All right, here we go. if it includes getting Crunch Berries up here in Canada, let's do it. You know,
1: I had like this amazing childhood, which I did. And he went on to play Takashi in Revenge of the Nerds, which is one of my favorite movies like ever. A uh, true story, Ben Savage is the most famous person I've ever met in real life. Playing the sitar and all these flowers would drop on him. I had Reading Rainbow t-shirts. I had Reading Rainbow notebooks. Not Crunch Berries because we don't get those in Canada. My mom basically locked us out of the house. I gotta
0: stay home and grease the Weezer. In 94, that Little Rascals movie that came out. In the 94 but... version, Jesse did they have to grease the Weezer oh my 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 okay so this week uh, it's back over into my my court it's a Gen X movie so the one that I threw at you was uh the 1984 comedy because I just love comedies in case you didn't notice around here I love those classic uh, 80s and 70s and 80s comedies so we went with the 84 movie Revenge of the Nerds so Yancey I made you watch this movie what do you think
1: uh, to be blunt, Chris, this is probably my, my least favorite movie that you have recommended for me to watch. It uh, It's it's uh, not my cup of tea. Um, I didn't see it back in 1984, obviously, because I wasn't born. True. But even still, having watched it in 2017, this feels like a movie that did not age particularly well. Um, it's... We, we often talk about your movies from the 80s, and you'll ask me at the, at the top of the show or normally towards the end, do you think this movie would have been made in 2017? And to with with that question, I'm going to go ahead and respond now and say no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, there were a couple of funny moments in this. Uh, I felt like there were some issues with pacing where uh, the first 35 minutes, there was almost nothing happening for me. Like, I don't I don't think I laughed a single time until um, they met the, you know, the members of the what was it, the triple triple lamb or whatever. The tri yeah, lambs. yeah, the lamb, the lamb, the lambs. lambs. Yeah. Honestly, this movie just fell completely flat for me. And uh, there was there was all kinds of, uh, you know, overt racism and obviously sexism and uh, just, like, really cringeworthy stuff that I think I've kind of been trained as a millennial. I'm a little bit more uh, conscious of stuff like that, but... um Man I don't know Chris This this movie did not do it for me The other ones They had some of those issues as well As far as like political correctness Which is fine Because I think everything Should be on the table When you're dealing with comedy Because that's how True comedy works Yep. Um, but the other ones Like they were strong enough To stand on their own Without those elements And I don't feel like This one particularly was But um, I mean I, I don't know what Your rebuttal is to that But I was kind of Disappointed in this movie Because I've, I've heard of A lot of people Being very very high on it And it just didn't do it for me
0: No I get it And, and that's why I want One of the reasons Why I wanted to throw it out And I want to talk about about it. I know that it didn't age well. In fact, uh, Mike Gianella, who's been on the show before, he pointed mm-hmm. out on Twitter back when I first mentioned I was going to, you know, talk about this movie on an upcoming episode. Um, he tweeted out, he said, you know, this movie didn't age well. And, and you know, I don't expect it to age well. I mean, it was made 33 years ago, right? The clothes, right. the music, and, you know, the, the sensibilities and such, they shouldn't hold up. I wouldn't expect them to. But I think what's what's worth talking about for me is the fact, that you kind of brought it up, the fact that this type of R-rated movie was very... Very popular back in the 80s. But mm-hmm. these kind of movies, they they don't really exist anymore. Outside of the occasional Judd Apatow movie, they just don't exist. So why do you think that is, Yancey? Why do they these R-rated comedies just – why did they go the way of the
1: dinosaur? I, I think it's it has a lot to do with um, – I remember listening to an interview with Seth Rogen. And you remember seeing like the previous – I don't know if you've even seen the movie. But it was the, the Sausage Fest movie. It was like yeah. the animated movie. Yep. And he was basically talking about how uh, the – the The association, the Motion Picture Association, uh, that basically decides like the ratings on these movies, they were going to give it like a restricted, not even a rated R, but like a you had to be accompanied by an adult kind of thing because of sexual contact. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Sexual. Uh, I can't even think of it. Uh, but anyways, they they were going to give him this. You know, this super prohibitive rating if they didn't change the fact that one of these sausages had like a little tiny, like animated pubic hair on it. And basically, talking about like that one rating, that one criteria, if it meets these little check boxes, uh, it gets this different rating and it makes it basically like a commercial uh, disaster. Like it's really hard to draw people into those movies and it cuts out a gigantic swath of the population that's going to be paying to go see your movies. So I think it's nowadays where you have so much money going into these films, uh, you, despite the fact that there is an audience for them nobody wants to create a movie where you're capping your audience at all so it's like they're gonna push the envelope just enough with like you know violence and and, and vulgarities and stuff but when it comes to actual like frontal nudity or topless women uh, that's that's kind of where they draw the line I mean I I I don't know if that's like the best possible answer, but I do think it just has to do with the actual overall marketability of a film.
0: No, I think you're onto something. I was, um, <clears throat> I got talking to Brad Trailer on uh, Twitter. You know Brad Yancey. He's a really good friend of mine. Great really baseball good guy. Of mine. Yeah, good guy. Uh, baseball fan too. So that makes him even you know even better. Uh, he made he made actually made a really good point to me, and I think I want I need to share it. And and he kind of said that he he was pointing out that back in the '80s there was basically one way for young teenage boys to see boobs. Oh, my. And that was by watching movies like this. And so I obvi- mean, this movie obviously took things kind of to the next level because of the whole hair thing. But, you know, anyway, uh, because back in the 70s and 80s, you know, Yancey, there was not the same level of grooming and hygiene that exists now. <laughs> but anyway, but now, like, millennials can see boobs whenever they want. You can basically go on your phone and you can see it. And right. when, when I was growing up, you couldn't. So the only way... Was to watch these R-rated comedy movies, and I think maybe that's a big reason why these kind of movies were so popular, especially with teenage boys back in the eighties. And that's probably why they don't exist anymore. Do you, do you agree with that?
1: That makes a lot of sense. That I mean, it wouldn't come to me firsthand just because you know Brad's a few years older than I am, so he probably like he he lived through that. You lived through that, and you experienced that firsthand. Where that was that was like. You know, groundbreaking at the time, like the first time you guys heard about that movie or saw that movie in theaters or, or, you know, a movie of like the similar, you know, ilk or or vein in that, like, that's a big deal to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, if I were 13 and like I saw a movie and I'm like, holy crap, you know, like that's the first time i had seen something like that. You know, I was just in that era where um, we had internet whenever I was growing up as a kid, um, but it was dial up. It was really slow. And we had one personal computer that was downstairs in the living room. So there was no, you know, funny business going on as far as that goes. So, I mean, that would have been a pretty big deal to me, too, but um, you know, my mom kept a pretty tight lid on on the, the things that we were watching, that type of content. But um, I mean, that's just a, a really interesting point. I, I think that that probably is has a lot to do with why that genre was so prevalent back then, because like you said, you don't see anything like that nowadays. There's nothing.
0: And and I think that's part of like maybe the reason why they're not as popular now. But I think the other thing for me, I think it's that combined with something else. And that's money Our rated movies mean less box office money because people under 18 can't get in and so it all comes down to economics so studios want to have you know content that allows teenagers in r-rated movies are not good because it's those teenage dollars that they want to get at and back in the 80s i think things were a little bit more lax at the box office and maybe you can help me understand this but i'll i'll tell you this when like what like i say back in the 80s there was like rated movies right you know kids under 18 couldn't get in but the thing was i grew up in a really small town i grew up in port elgin ontario it's a town with a population of about five or six thousand people back then so sounds me and, lit yeah <laughs> me and my friends would go to the movies every week every single weekend and we'd almost always get in and the thing was i don't think we were really supposed to be allowed in but we always seemed to get into these movies i remember one time the ticket guy was like hey This movie, uh, you're supposed to be accompanied by an adult. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's my uncle up there, right up there in front of me. I pointed at some random guy, like, totally wasn't my uncle, right? I had no idea. And then the ticket guy's like, oh, okay, okay, we'll go on in. Like, you know, what what the hell did he care? He's like, some guy making minimum wage, right? Um, Right. So, you know, I I think... You know, me and my friends, like we used to get into these movies when we were young. When I was 14, when this movie came out, I saw it at the movie theater and I just loved it. We also had, um, (laughs) we we had, obviously, we had a movie channel uh, that showed movies um, after the theatrical release was done. Like on TV, it was called First Choice. And I think it would change it like Super Channel or something it was called. And I would watch these movies over and over again. The thing was, I could tell my parents, I'd be like, oh, this movie, this movie is perfectly okay for me to watch. I just, I went to see it at the theater. So they'd be like, "Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and watch it." Like, and then so I, I go downstairs and <laughs> I watch it or like by myself, right? And like the thing is, so I think that was kind of a part of the thing about growing up in the eighties. I think you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. I just whereas like you say now, you could I could easily access that stuff. I don't know. It was just such a different time, and I don't think they were as obsessed with box office take as
1: they were with just cranking movies
0: out. You know,
1: I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. Um, I just I, I, Well, I've okay, the, well so
0: here I've got a question for you i got a question for you no, so, sure. so, so let's put things in perspective When you were growing up You know when you were around that age mm-hmm. Were there any of these kind of movies around Like ones aimed at kind of an adult audience And if so What were those movies And, and how did you watch them if you weren't supposed to
1: um, I don't think I did. I hate to be super lame, but um, no, I mean, I didn't even have like, – Chris, I didn't even have a TV in my room. I shared a room with my brother first off, and we didn't even have uh, TVs in our rooms until like we were like 15 or 16 years old. Like that was not something that we did. Like I, I think I've told you this before, but like we were like – Outdoor kids, like through and through. You know, if it were the summer, my mom would literally send us outside with a bottle of water and lock the door. Like she made sure that we were outside playing. You know, there were times, you know, when we had cable or like, you know, when we when we got high speed internet and stuff. And even still, she just she was not about that life. That's not how she was raised, and she was gonna make sure that you know we learned to you know to play and socialize and go outside and be friends with the neighbors and that type of thing. So, I mean, as far as like movies like that, I I think there was one time where um, we were my parents used to rent movies all the time. We used to go to blockbuster all the time. And uh, I think it was varsity blues where they were putting it on. And there was like the one scene, I think there's, there's a girl topless in it. I mean, I'm sure you, you probably have seen it, but I remember that, that popping up and my mom seeing it and like freaking out and basically, you know, like rips the VHS, like out of the DVD or out of the VHS player. And, you know, she was just so upset about it, but you know, she's, it's not like she's a prude or anything like that, but she was always, you know, really, uh, really intentional with the movies and the content that she let us see. And we just, oh, sure, didn't yeah. have, we just didn't have access to it. There was no way to like sneak something in there because I didn't have a VCR in my room. I didn't have TV, I didn't have internet. We didn't have smartphones all through high school. They didn't exist, you know what I mean? The iPhone came out in 2007. I had already graduated high school, you know what I mean? So just, there wasn't really a, a, a real opportunity there. Just never. And the
0: thing was like, you kind of touched on it too. Like movies back in the eighties were not PC, you know, like they just weren't like, you know, there was some overtones of, you know, uh, sexism and definitely in this, you know, in this movie and racism and things like that, that, you know, kind of cut, cut to the bone. And this is just the society the way it was, you know what I mean? Like this was sort of acceptable in in the movies totally would not get made today for that reason. In 2007, they tried to remake this movie Mm -hmm. and they, I
1: looked that up. Yeah, there was a bunch of searches that kept coming up whenever I was trying to find it on Netflix, and it was it they, was there's they went, five yeah, of them.
0: They went to remake it in 2007, and they even went so far as like getting it greenlit, getting it cast, and started shooting it. And they started shooting it after like about. I don't know one or two weeks the studio did not like the dailies that were coming back so they, they put the kibosh on it and they shut it down and and yep. well they should this isn't to me this is one of those like, you know me I'm a big fan of the Gen X movies I don't think they should remake any of them and especially mm-hmm. this one because it is kind of like the thing that I like about it is it's it's a slice of life like it's a it's like a slice in time you know what? it's like a snapshot in time this is what times were like that and that's why when you see it doesn't age well I'm cool with that because that's not it's not supposed to age well this movie is supposed to you're supposed to look back at this and go, this is what it was like in the 80s, we, you know, whether people were dressed, the, 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 the clothes they wore, the music they listened to, and the sensibilities, the sensibilities, of the way they talked, the way that they talked about racism and sexism and misogyny, not that any, like, we, I'm glad that we've made lots of progressions since then. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm very, very glad, but I'm just saying it's interesting to go back and see what it was like, and, and for that reason, I'm glad that it didn't age well. It's like yep. for me, it's like I, I always like going on the um, the game show network and watching old episodes of the match game. And I and I liken that watching old episodes of the match game to this because you watch old episodes of the match game on um, the game show network and you're going to get a slice of life from the 70s and 80s that is very different than today. Like right. they're on there. They're smoking. They're drinking. They're making fun of Fanny Flake's boobs. like they're Like it's just totally politically incorrect. But it's like, you know what? That's was that was acceptable back then, right or wrong? Like I mean, it wasn't right, but it was acceptable. And so for that reason, I think a movie like this is is, is even that much more funny to laugh at because because mm. remember, you're not laughing with a lot of this stuff; you're laughing at a lot of it. I think, had it, you know. Yeah. That's that's what I think. And even at the
1: time, I, I think you, I like the way that you put that because it's it's not. Is it an all time great movie? You know, in in a hundred years, our our film critics and professors going to be talking about this film. No, but it, I think it. Like you mentioned, it, it was a, a It was an accurate representation of the films and the culture of that time. And for that, it kind of makes it canon by itself simply because it is an accurate representation. You know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, historical fiction. Like, that's something that you're gonna be able to go back and just, like, you could do, like... You know, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, like, that's, you know, read that book unedited and see how many times they you know, gratuitously throw out the N-word, you know what I mean? And then you see that and you're like, wow, like, that's really sucks that it was like that. But you're so glad that that piece exists because it it is a flashback in time. And it kind of gives you a little bit more respect of, like, how people interacted. Um, as, as far as, like, the film it goes, like we mentioned, you know, the racism, the sexuality and stuff, I think there's a way to, to do – I don't want to say there's a, like an appropriate way to be, you know, sexist or anything like that. But like with the Asian character, OK, um, I can't remember his name, Takashi. or Takashi, ta- yeah. Takashi, um, like they were they weren't making he wasn't being funny by himself. Like the joke was literally that he's Asian and he has an accent and they just they kept beating that in with the same joke over and over again. You know, what I mean, like he wasn't independently funny as like a person. the The whole joke was, look, he's an Asian. You know what I mean? Like that type of comedy, I think is super, super lazy. Like I, I it completely rubbed me the wrong way. And like, I literally thought like, you know, there's and with, a million and with the gay
0: character too, I think was kind of that way as well. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're just, it, it's literally like, one. he's funny because he's gay. Like they mentioned at one point, like, you know, Oh, none of us have any, any dates to this dance that we're hosting. Well, Lamar does. Yeah. But he's a, but he's bringing a man. Yeah. You know but what I mean? yeah, but like, that's with a guy. <laughs> exactly. I was so the punchline, <laughs> there was no, there was no, there was no, yeah. Yeah, there was no joke in there. Literally, the, the, the joke itself was that Lamar is gay. gay. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. And, and that, that part right there, all, all of those jokes, that's why I think it fell so flat for me. Would it have been funny 30 years ago? I don't know because I, I hadn't lived there. I assume it would have been funnier. People were more open. Like, I remember watching Delirious with Eddie Murphy and seeing how he talks about gay people, and the crowd is just – on, they just can't contain themselves. It's so funny. And this is at the height of the AIDS epidemic. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just a different time. And, you know, I'm never going to appreciate uh, certain pop culture moments like you are. And likewise, you're never going to appreciate some of the same things that I am. And like this film, like cemented that for me. It's like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm, you know, I can be the most open-minded person in the world and I will never get out of this movie what Chris is going to get out of this movie. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, and, and that's part of what I think is is endearing about this film in a lot of ways i mentioned it before you know just the fact that it's it's a slice of life of of time of a different it's a different time it's a snapshot from a different time and i think that's important to keep in mind when you're watching it that being said as a 14 year old watching this i laughed my ass off and i remember watching it you know even a couple years later you know as a teenager and really just laughing and really enjoying it and one other thing another take on this movie that i want to just kind of To go for a second, remember last weekend I asked you. I said, "Do you think I'm a nerd?" And you said, "Of course that I was because you know I get it. I am, but so are you, right?" I mean, you know, we said that. Um, But that being said, the fact that we're kind of nerds, like, could you relate to this movie at all from that perspective?
1: Mm, honestly, e- even their depictions of nerds, we've talked about Freaks and Geeks, right? And this made me think about Freaks and Geeks a lot. You know, for a show that only ran for what, one or was it one season or two 18 seasons? 18 episodes, one season, yep. Yeah, one season it got canceled, right? In your favorite
0: year, 1999.
1: Yeah, and it, it it was it was one of those films where like I felt like their depiction of nerds was so much closer to my personal experience in high school where it was like it was just real people who were, you know, they were socially awkward. It wasn't the fact that like they're quote unquote, you know, like textbook nerds. Like this this all felt like caricatures and Hollywood depictions of nerds and not how actual people react. You know, that was kind of the the, you know, the issue that I took with The Breakfast Club where I had never met anybody who acted like those characters do. You know what I mean? They were like super exaggerated versions of those same characters, but not. They didn't feel one hundred percent genuine to me, and that's what it kind of feels like with this too. Where um, I don't see real nerds. I didn't. I didn't see. Oh, hey, I knew that that you know this particular character that reminded me of this person that I went to high school with. I couldn't make any of those parallels whatsoever. Um, like at all. I, yeah. I, I don't know if if, if if it was a different. You know, type of thing with you with when you were in high school. Did you see parallels? Did you see yourself no, in any of the characters?
0: I, I, I didn't I didn't find the movie to be relatable in mm. any way. I just found it to be uh, funny and the fact that it was rude and like the things like when they go in and they hide the cameras and they're spying on the girls. Like when you're 14, you're watching this, you're losing your mind. You're losing your mind doing this. And the, right. and I, but I think there was like an undercutting. Th- the other thing, too, is like there's a subtext that's going on that I think everyone could kind of relate to. Everybody likes to see an underdog win. Right. And I don't care. Like there, I thought it was important at the, at the very end when he's kind of goes up in front of the, everybody and you realize that there's a lot more of us than there are of them, as he says, and that a lot of people have felt picked on or put down at some point in their lives. So what's kind of neat to see these guys actually, you, you want to see an underdog win and you want to see these characters who are like total geeks actually rise up and actually take a stand, you know what I mean? And fight back against, you know, all these, the jocks and stuff like that. So right. I guess in that case, but I, I didn't really relate to it, but I think it's entertaining to, go watch that process happen
1: I you know I actually have an interesting point about that and I don't know if you've ever heard this before but have you seen the Karate Kid yes of course okay so I don't know if you've seen like these fan theories but there's a lot of videos on YouTube that basically talks about how uh, I can't remember the Karate Kid's name the main character Daniel
0: Um, Daniel Daniel. okay
1: They basically say that Daniel is the real bully and not the, yes. you know, the blonde haired kid. And there's all these, you know, these little video montages that basically show like a lot of the things that go on between the two of them. Daniel kind of starts. And if he doesn't start it, he des- he definitely escalates it like exponentially more than the uh, antagonist ever does right Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was a little bit going on with this one where it was hard to be completely invested in the underdog story and the you know with these nerds quote unquote because you look at like the things that they did right where okay so the jocks you know crashed their party with some pigs yeah so what do they do they literally you know spied on girls and like have all these cameras in their house you know what i mean yeah like, exactly they completely, like that stuff gets you thrown in jail today yes, like i know
0: i yes, don't see I how know. that's
1: even remotely that's why i mean and
0: that's why the movie didn't age well though because it was so yeah. different right or
1: like um i mean what's another good example but just like there never seems to be like an equivalent response like he he puts on a mask he puts on a darth vader mask and he basically you know deceives a girl into having sex with him and then oh she defines out that it's not her boyfriend And she's totally cool with it. And then five minutes later, she literally says in a scene, I'm in love with him. Like, I I, I get that it's a comedy, but it's just, like, there were so many things going on in this film that, like, I just couldn't wrap my head around, like... I. I don't know. I just. No, I, it, it I, left, you left are
0: 100% right. <laughs> you are 100% right on multiple of those scenes. Like I say, you know, they were wrong then really, but I mean, they were, you know, mined for comedy you know, right or wrong. Like, and that's why like I say, I think it's important that we look at this movie and, and I do, I do like it because like, I mean, like I do like the movie, not, not that I like those, those themes in it, but I do like the movie because when I grew up, I thought it was really funny and I laughed at it, but you know, it's one of those things that I think maybe, like I say, it doesn't age well. Cause now we can look back at it and go, you know, maybe this wasn't such a good idea to make jokes about this stuff. Even the scene when Gilbert tries to get on stage and address the crowd and the football coach you know, is going to punch him. He grabs him. He's, he's going to clock him one. And then all the Lamb- the Lambdas come walking out, led by U.N. Jefferson. And then, they, of course, what do they do in the 80s to depict black guys walking out? Well, let's play bass guitar. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. Like, Come on. Really? I mean, yeah. it's, it's so bad. And then when the party's bombing, remember, and they're, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, they're like, oh, man, should we, like, eat? Or should we watch TV? And then Booker's like, I know. Wonder joints, and then they all start smoking <laughs> up, and then it pans over to the two guys from Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. It's like UN's assistant or whatever the hell he was, and he's smoking the wonder joint. And he's like, Man, yep. that's that's some good. <laughs> shit. It's like, yeah. Oh, come on, it's just the whole thing just seems to be totally un PC. I get it, you know what I mean, but I I think that's. That's part of what it is though, you know what I mean? And it's part of what it was. If you look back at the movies of the time, there was a lot of that kind of movie, those kind of movies going on. Like movies mm-hmm. like, like um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Risky Business and, you know, Porky's and and, you I've know, seen and Porky's. Private Lessons and movies like that. You've seen Porky's, you know, and like it's very unpc pc and these kind of sex yep. comedies. And like I say, they went the way of the dinosaur. And it wasn't until really like Super Bad and maybe The 40-Year-Old Virgin with both Dr. Apical. Yeah, American Pie is another good example where they kind of made a comeback. You know what I mean, but even still, they're not popular like, like they were back then. This movie was made for six million dollars, and it grossed sixty million. So it was obviously popular. And it was very profitable. So you know there was a reason for it. You know now, I understand that uh, you know the um, the movie didn't didn't resonate with you in any way, and you know you thought it was on PC and all that kind of stuff. But were there any scenes in it that you thought were funny? You you mentioned a couple times that you laughed, and, and so what were they? I'm just curious to know what um, made you laugh on this movie.
1: I, I like the one line where I can't remember all of the characters' names. I think it was Booger, but he's like, you know, did you get in her pants? And he's like, well, she's not that kind of girl. Yeah. Like, oh, so she has a penis. Yeah. You know why? I mean? Why does she have a penis? <laughs> it's like, like totally. I thought that was that was, that was funny. really funny. Yeah. I really like whenever they put on Thriller at the party, and when yes. all of a sudden the, the the entire dynamic changes. Yes. There were, you, know, you know what? I, let me let me say this. There are a couple like little scenes and like um, interactions between either multiple groups or multiple characters. They actually found kind of endearing that I wish they would have pursued more. Like like what? whenever they invite the um the. Sur- And they're like, oh man, they're the moo moos. Like, they're the, you know, quote unquote, the big girls. And like, come to find out, like, these girls actually know how to party. They know how to have fun. They're like the most fun, real, you know, best dancers, super fun to be around. Like, that part I enjoyed. Or like, how this all black. Uh, fraternity, you know, they embrace these geeks and basically give them a chance, even though there's only one black person in the entire fraternity, simply because, like you mentioned, the underdog thing. Like they kind of saw a little bit of the underdog in, in these people. You know, yeah. all the things that they've had to deal with, all the Good adversity point. of being marginalized in society. Like they're like, you know what? That's why we're going to give these dudes a chance. And, and in know that scene,
0: and interrupt. And in that scene, when they're they're kind of pitching to UN Jefferson and, mm-hmm. um, and and they're saying, you know, these are the reasons why, you know, we wouldn't discriminate against anybody based on the color of their skin or, you know, the religious denomination and, of course, then Lamar goes, or sexual orientation and then the UN's <laughs> like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> like, it's just, yep. the whole thing's <laughs> totally on PC. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, you're right. That's a good point. Like, like the, 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 uh, they kind of let him in because they're kind of the underdogs and and there's some relatability. That's a, that's a good point, too. Yeah, no, no, I definitely I think. S-
1: uh, another one, too, I'll say, um, I thought the whole montage of like the homecoming competition where the, the, there's all these different skills challenges yeah. as I hit the mic. Sorry, I, I didn't mean hit the mic. Sure. Um, I, I know this, this kind of is a, a contradiction. It makes me sound a little uh, hypocritical, but the the one line where I laughed the hardest in the entire film was when they were talking about Lamar doing the, uh, what was it, the javelin throw? Yes. And was, <laughs> the like, special aerodynamic. It's specially aerodynamic because it's going to go along with his limp-wristed throwing style. <laughs> because, of course, I'm, all gay people have limp wrist style, right. you know like meanwhile so like bad. if you look at pictures of him and you know i was watching you know different montage clips and uh, i i saw his imbb page whenever he was that age he's jacked he is i mean he's only five foot four but gigantic biceps like he even said in an interview i think it was actually in the um like the uh special features and like a different uh, later release version of the DVD, he was basically saying like he had to feel like after that movie, he had to o- almost like overcompensate and oh, be sure. super masculine. Everybody thought he was gay. He was, he was so good in the role. Everybody gay, yeah. Um, I just thought that part was really cool. Um, most of like the over-the-top like college, like you know the jock buffoonery kind of thing, like the whole ogre thing, I could have done without that. Um, I, I mean, obviously, all the best lines were from the nerds themselves, um, but I, I think the, the Limpuristic comment probably stuck out as a, as a highlight for me. What about you, though?
0: Uh, one, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when, uh, remember, they go and they fix up the house. They got this old, b- broken-down house, and then they fix mm-hmm. it up, which, by the way, was spoofed on, I want to say it was on Family Guy, when they, they clean up the house and they're playing that song, you know, you gotta put one foot in front of the other, put the other foot down. And I think Family Guy did a spoof on that, but anyway, neither here nor there. They clean up the house, they get it done, and stay Stan Gable goes pulling it up on his motorcycle and he's got uh, Betty on the back with him. And she's like, oh man, it's amazing what they've done to this house. And then he, then, and Booger is standing there looking at him and Stan Gable goes, what are you looking at? Nerd. And then he drives away and, and Booger goes, ah, oh, I, th- I, th- I thought I was looking at my mother's old, d- but that's in Ohio. And I, to be, I just, thought like, because Booger always had a way just to try and jab back. I don't know. I just, I thought that one, that line was pretty funny. Um, I, I like the the fact that Bo- Booker was probably my favorite character in the movie because just the way he, just the way he is, he just doesn't care. Like
1: I he, knew you were going to say that
0: just because it's so funny. Like the, the scene yep. when he, he's playing cards with Takashi, and then t- he's like, "Okay, what do you got?" Takashi's like, "Oh, I think I have a flush." And again, totally making fun of the fact that he just is Asian and yep. talks funny. He's like, "What the f- is a flush." And he's like a fresh, and he's like, yeah, well, I got two sevens, <laughs> two sevens beats a fresh. Oh, yeah. okay, thank you. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know, the whole thing totally on PC. I totally, I totally agree. Again, like the 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 thing that you were saying. Um, about the uh, some of the on-PC stuff like he mentioned, whether with he was talking about uh, when he met Judy and he's like, you know, why does she have a penis? And also when the, when the one guy's like, hey, any you guys got dates? You know, here besides uh, Gilbert? And then Booger is like, what about what about you, Booger? And he's like, oh man, no, I've been out combing the high schools all day. It's like so so <laughs> unpc. Like like my like god, I tell you. But I thought it was one thing. that was interesting. Was again after the the, the scene where you know this quote unquote rape happens. You know, because he puts on the mask, the Darth Vader mask. Pretends he's someone else. But uh, she says, are all nerds as good as you? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, how come? And she goes, because all jocks ever think about is sports and all we ever think about is sex. You know, so I I don't know. Some of it was was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good.
1: Um, I will say this really quickly before we wrap up. Um, I that was the youngest I think I've ever seen John Goodman in a role. Like he looked super, super young. And 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 I think it was one of his his first movies.
0: And the thing is, he plays a bad guy, which he usually always plays the good guy.
1: Right. Yeah. That part was crazy. And then also seeing James Cromwell, uh, who I didn't realize this until I started really digging into him, like just doing like, you know, random show prep and stuff. James Cromwell has been in so many movies that I absolutely love. Like he has a real eye for taking parts. And I mean, he has so many actors credits. Like it's insane. Like he might be one of my favorite actors, like one of the unheralded actors of like the last 30 years. He was very good.
0: And uh, and and one of the the things you can credit him with in this movie was he came up with that laugh. So one of the things in the script said, you got to have this this goofy laugh, kind of like a like a like a goose honking, you know, and you're um, taking
1: away one of my trivia questions. Oh, oh,
0: sorry. I won't get into too much, but I know Carradine couldn't do it. And then Jamie Jamie Cromwell came up with that that laugh, and they all kind of imitated him, and they kind of used that laugh from there. But no, I thought Jamie Cromwell was good, um, and also the the role of Judy, you know, um, the one that didn't have the penis. Joan Cusack and Sarah Jessica Parker both auditioned for that part and didn't get it. It was just so funny. Again, I always like talking about those people that that don't get that. But uh, anyway, like I, I I've got I've made you watch a lot of comedy movies. You know mm-hmm. and, and don't worry i 'm going to get you to watch some action movies and some dramas, too it 's just that I, I love a lot of these old comedies, and this is one, like I say once we we got some conversation going on Twitter, and especially when Mike Gianella got involved, I thought it was interesting because everyone was like this movie has an age well," and I thought that 's kind of the point, and I think that 's what we need to talk about with this show but uh, but that being said i still I still laugh at the movie, you know right or wrong because I, again, because I you know, watched it back when I was 14, and I relate back to those times when I was young. And, and the mm-hmm. thing is, you know, you're young, and you just laugh at stuff, and you just think it's all funny. But uh, definitely times have changed, and nothing is, uh, is, is truer than—that uh, that never becomes truer than watching this movie, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, what do you say now we have some fun with Yancey? Okay, Yancey, so over to you. You want to throw some trivia at me?
1: Okay, sure. Um, As always, you rattled off like three or four of the questions I was going to answer. So uh, (laughs) I have to like cross off some and go down the list. I'll give you the first one. All right. So at the very beginning, uh, one of the first, I think it's actually the very first scene of the film. uh, They talk about the acronym ARV. Do you know what ARV stands for? Do you recall?
0: uh, average restroom visits. Yes. Very, very
1: Yes. Very, very nice. Yes. 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 That was oh. the first inkling where I'm like, okay, these are legit dorks. Like these yes. are geeks that would, cause yeah, he's like, the I, I, got the, I
0: got the cruise control set at 35 or something like that. It was like crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so I try to be a little different, not just talk about the, the film itself just because sure. you know everything inside and out, but okay. So we were mentioning, uh, Lamar, his character. Yes, uh, Larry B. Scott actually plays him. Can you name his other two major popular movie credits?
0: Uh, well, I know for sure he was in uh, Space Camp. That was a big mm-hmm. one. But other than that, oh, I just can't think of it off the top of my head. That was the big one, I would say.
1: I actually mentioned it earlier, and it was the Karate Kid. Oh, the Karate! Oh, right, right, right. What, what part did he play in that? He was one know. of the dragon. One of the dragon guys. Oh, okay. He was just like another Karate Kid, basically. I don't know. Maybe
0: he didn't have a line or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you, you know, you're. You're probably right. But whenever I looked up in his IMBD page, that's basically like what he was down for was those those couple of roles. Um, That was kind of a cheap one. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) All right. So we talked about actress Julia Montgomery. She plays the very lovely Betty Childs, who we see a lot of in this film. (laughs) Uh, A lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's (laughs) Can you name she was actually on Cheers for one episode? I don't know if you knew that or not. Did you? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. No. Okay. So you're probably not going to get this. But like I said, she did play uh, in one Cheers episode in 1992. The name of the episode was titled The Beer is Always Greener. Okay. Um, by chance, can you name the first name of the character that she played in that episode of Cheers? I don't think I could. No. Sorry. <laughs> it's Okay. Sorry. I was trying to tie two things that I knew that you, you were slightly aware of. But uh, her name was actually Ellen. Oh, so cool. Ellen. cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, so this film is based around the fictitious Adams College. What real-life university did they actually shoot this film
0: in? Oh, they shot it in Tucson, Arizona at the University of um, Arizona. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Very
1: nice. Ooh. I knew you would get that, I thought. So... OK, um, the, 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 so, funny,
0: the funny thing was, just as a little aside story, the, yeah. um, the the president of that university didn't want them to do it. He was like, OK, yeah, you guys can shoot your movie here. Why not? Hollywood movie. going to come here and shoot. I'm fine with that. Until he read the script. He read the script and was like, I don't want them to do this. At that point, it was too late. Right. So he didn't mm-hmm. back out. He let them actually shoot it there. And so what they did was they took his name and they gave Booger because Booger in the script was just called Booger. And they gave Booger's a real name in one of the scenes and his name was Dudley Dawson and that was the name of the president of the university at the time very nice this is a little side thing anyway
1: very nice okay so we talked about John Goodman's character um, so his name is never actually spoken by any character in the entire show no or it's the not you're right it isn't yeah um, but it is you- but
0: yes but it is actually written on the door of his office and it's Coach Harris
1: uh, you Chris.
0: oh yes <laughs> Okay. It's also right. in the closing credits if I remember correctly, so.
1: It might be. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't stick around for the credits, to be honest with you. Um, can you name the video game that Wormser was playing on that little black and white TV?
0: Oh, it was something like DVX or something like that. I oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head.
1: I think you got it. I'll me. give you partial credit. Oh, there I get is an X it. in it. Yep. <laughs> it was called Space Master X7. So oh, you oh, you were in the ballpark. Yeah, I can tell yeah. you you've probably read it before.
0: I I'd, I'd heard it before. I knew it. Yeah. And then okay, by so, the way, and how about, sorry, how about that, uh, that scene when, when Gilbert and Judy are in the computer lab and he's like showing her like, Hey, this is what I can do with a computer. And he's using the two stick people to like hold hands and dance at the time, Yancey, that was like major, you know, incredible things
1: he was doing with the computer. Just, you know. And I like speaking of unrealisticness in movies he's literally just like mashing buttons and like somehow making like everything work. Two... I know he's just like yeah.
0: typing in yeah exactly
1: I'm like oh okay that's yeah. not how that works there's no mouse on the computer it's all
0: like basic programming at the time yeah
1: right? <laughs> but sure man that's cool yeah
0: whatever
1: <laughs> okay uh, my last question like I said I had like five more that you, you mentioned Sorry. during the show uh, <laughs> so the title that. track of the soundtrack for this is aptly called Revenge of the Nerds can you yes. name the band that performs yes. it um yeah actually I can they were the Rubinos right Yes, they were. Wow! I remember, I remember
0: that. Didn't they, expect you to get that one either. me a dork, a spaz, or a geek. Yeah, I know it. Oh, it's pretty bad. Well, uh, pretty good yeah. person. Oh What can I say? I really like this movie. I grew up, like I say, when I was 14 years old. I saw this movie. I thought it was the funniest thing ever, and you know, it's kind of stuck with me ever since. You know, just the way it is. Okay, so that's that's all the time that we have for uh, for this week. Obviously, um, so next week we're instead of throwing it back to a movie for you, as you know, we've been kind of settling into a little bit of a format here. We're going to go back to do a, a top five list, but what I decided next week we're going to do something a little bit different. I decided that we would take a look at our top five ce- uh, childhood celebrity crushes. So, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure you as well, growing up had some crushes on on some celebrities. You know, I certainly did. I know you did. Correct. And to kind of way, you know, kind of balance things out a bit, instead of us just you know going through our top five list. We're just two guys, and I, mean, I think it would be interesting to have what mine are from the, from the 80s and what yours would be, you know, from the 2000s, um, but I thought we, to balance things out we, that we bring on a female as a guest to kind of balance things out, and uh, her age is kind of in between the two of ours, so it's going to be interesting to balance out. What do you think?
1: I think that would bring a very interesting dynamic, something we have not explored in the past. So it, it should I'm be down a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> it should be good. Um, like, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter and uh, and uh, reach out to us and talk to us about anything at all, show-related or not, uh, you can reach us on Twitter at c mcbryan or at Yance Eaton or, again, go to popgoesyourworld.com. All our contact information is there. And if you have 30 seconds of your day, do us a favor um, and head over to podcastawards.com and nominate our show under the entertainment category. It's called Rob Has a Podcast Entertainment Category. Drop down menu, find Pop Goes Your World, nominate us there. We'd really appreciate that. Until next time, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of Yance Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.